Blog Talk Radio. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. Talk to your doctor about creating a plan that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. What if you were wearing something sexy? What if you were drinking? What if you made the first move? No matter what, sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. This is Christina Ricci with RAIN, reminding you it's never your fault. Brought to you by RAIN and this station. lives have sacrificed to a reign of oppression shame on the turning heads for the gate to equity are still unseen Good evening, good evening, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I know it's not Saturday, but this is a really special guest. I thought you guys should hear her. Um, her name is Terry Lynn Carrington. She's a drummer, but she's also an activist. She's a producer. She's an educator. She's a three-time Grammy Award-winning drummer, not just any old drummer. <laughs> she's played with Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Uh, She's been around the globe and back, and she also was just granted in 2019 the George Duke Artist Award. It's a very prestigious acknowledgement and recognition of her past and ongoing contributions to jazz music. Good evening, Terry. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming in again. I know we had our problem before, but now we're together, and I'm very happy um, that you're here tonight. Um, Sorry. That's okay. Things happen. Uh, let me just tell the audience, they just heard uh, the, the title Waiting Game song uh, on your album. That was the acapella version. Um, the actual CD is called Waiting Game. It's a two CD. I'll be giving away some of those. So you guys want to listen, check me out on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me on Facebook, Saturday mornings with Joy Keys. And on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys, so you can maybe win a two-CD thing, okay? Um, but let's start with you. You 
been playing music since you were like a wee little toddler. <laughs> I have, yeah, since I was, well, I started at five, although I don't remember those years very well. Yes. Uh, that's, that's when I started uh, playing saxophone, then drums at seven. So now, tell us about your family background in music a little bit. Well, tell us about that. Yeah, my grandfather, he was a drummer, and um, he died the same year I was born, so I never met him. Mm. But I feel like, you know, we're connected, you know, yeah. somehow. And I started from a young age, and I've always felt his spirit uh, with me. And my dad played saxophone, and he played also a little bit of drums, so he could teach me as a beginner back then. And then okay. I went on to have other teachers. And the good thing was my dad knew so many people that living in Boston, we were so close to New York, a lot of people came through Boston, you know, playing the jazz clubs and Mm -hmm. concert halls. And he was able to introduce me to a lot of people and um, kind of um, gave me access, you know, to the right people in order to um, launch a career when I was ready. Yeah, because, you know, there's not a lot of female drummers out there. I mean, I think about um, Viola Smith. I think she's one of the very first professional female drummers. Sheila E. Mm-hmm. from the Black Men, um, Sinmi Kawaguchi. But there's not, like, you know, when, when when you think, like, real fast, fast, I think about a male drummer, you know what I mean? Do you think right. it was harder for you as a female than a male drummer? Did you have any well, battles yeah. with that? I mean, I mean, in general, it was, it's harder for women to play instruments because um, instruments themselves have been gendered over the years and, uh, you know, always been acceptable for women to sing and to, you know, play piano sometimes mm. and violin and flute. But that was about it for a long time. So when I came up, uh, there were no real role models. I didn't know about Viola Smith until I got older. I didn't know about Dottie Dodgen. She was one woman that I saw um, kind of more from the swing era. Uh, And then when I went to college, uh, Berkeley College of Music, um, Cindy was there too. So we knew each other from back then. And also, uh, of course, I'd heard of Sheila in the 80s. But I had started playing, you know, probably – Close to the same time she started playing, so you know <laughs> right. I didn't know her until later. But I mean, we were, um, you know, somewhat in the same generation. So mm-hmm. I think things started to change, and there was a, you know, small wave of young women that decided they wanted to play drums. But then a lot, I think, just gave up because they weren't welcomed necessarily. So the, the few of us that made it, um, you know, were considered. I guess exceptions, you know, to to this unspoken rule, you know, the men play the instruments and the women sing, and mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of how it's been, you know. So, and what I think what I've come to realize is, is that being an exception is not really a, 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 the best thing. It's nothing to really celebrate. Right. You know? Right. Is that why um, you started? Now, people may or may not know that you. This is your. Second year, I believe, as director of the Berkeley Institute of Jazz and Gender Justice. What right. are you doing there and to help this situation, I guess, if you know? Well, um, yeah, I started this institute because 
I was talking to students and realized one day it just hit me like a ton of bricks that uh, everybody didn't have the same opportunity that I had. They mm-hmm. didn't have the same mentors. They, you know, some didn't really have any mentors. They were just kind of swimming upstream most of the time. And um, I just felt like how could I, you know, just kind of rest on my laurels and keep enjoying my own career without pointing to this fact and trying to um, change change the culture, you know, yeah. so that it's not so odd, you know, to see a young woman playing any instrument because, um, you know, it's, been, it's still odd for people to see me play the drums sometimes. People are still shocked. <laughs> You know, right. yeah. it's just, uh, it shouldn't be that way because, you know, obviously women are half of the population, so we're really missing half of that voice as creators of the music. And a big part of it is also mentoring. Uh, I'm really trying to, you know, encourage, um, you know, our male musicians to mentor and hire young women because that's kind of the way the traditional way that this music has developed and yeah. it's an apprentice art form. So, you know, I'm doing my best to have those kinds of conversations and asking people, will they, you know, continue their, this music that they love, not accepting that it should be uh, so one-sided you know, in regard to gender and will they commit to uh, gender equity as a guiding principle through their work? You know, it doesn't mean it's going to be equal all the time, but it means that it's something that you're thinking about and something that you will uh, try to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's play um, one of the songs on there dealing with, I guess, um, gender equity. Uh, It's Not Now. Okay, we'll play a little bit of that. It's not now then. I've been waiting quite a while. I ain't asking for a piece of yours. I only want what's mine. I apologize if I arrive at an inconvenient time. My attitude unravels you, then pay me some mind. I ain't waiting for the world to change. I'm the world to serve a game. Don't give it to my kids. Not as it is, but as it should be. We the agitators, the movers, the shakers. Slipping out if you ain't got my nowhere to the show like I'm the baker. I ain't no savior. Turn up the faders. It's just me and you like elevators. Don't mind the haters. So that is It's Not Now from Terry Lynn Carrington's new album, Waiting Game. Um, on there, you're working with uh, Aaron Parks and Matthew Stevens. And then now you have artist vocalists. How did you choose the different vocalists? Um, do you know them? Somebody recommended them? Uh, well, most of the time when I do projects, I like to work with people I know. It's just much easier that way. Um, And since I generally finance my own projects, um, there's not always, you know, a lot of money involved either. So uh, (laughs) it's better to work with people that want to uh, contribute, you know, to something and believe in you. Um, Mm -hmm. In this case, if not now, uh, Maimuna Youssef, also known as Mula Fresh, she was one of the people I did not know. And it took me a long time to reach her. I had to call like three different people and, um, you know, it took her a minute to get back, but finally she did, and and uh, I went to D.C. and we recorded that, and I've worked with her a couple of times since. Uh, she toured with us in Brazil and in an event in New York. Um, oh, but, that's wonderful. 
Yeah, but everybody else on the record, I I knew, you know, Rhapsody is also on a track that's dealing with uh, gender equity. And, yeah, um, yeah I, I met Rhapsody when we did an international jazz day at the White House, and um, we performed together. So that was a really great connection because I'm a big fan of her work. Um, and then on top of that, uh, all the other guests, Malcolm Jamal Warner, um, Let's see, uh, Mark Kibble, he played some Mark of the Kibble, waiting yeah, game with Mark opening. Kibble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and um, who else is on there? That's the one that's called the So that's not a vocalist, but, you know. Let me see, Daniel Tello, she's a spoken word, she's a Thai, he's a rapper as well. Yeah. You have so yeah. many topics. I mean, like, wow, how did you choose? You have stuff dealing with prisons. You have stuff dealing with um, political prisoners. You have stuff dealing with Native Americans. Um, you know, how, how did you decide, you know, I'm going to do these 10? And then also you have the second CD that's just all instrumental. So um, hmm. what was your, like, flow? Was it, like, kind of staggered, like one month we did this, another month you recorded, and then maybe, how long did it take for the whole thing to come together? Well, we actually did a few gigs um, uh, together before uh, we recorded. Uh, I think we did maybe, I don't know, four four shows before we recorded, so we had a little bit of synergy, um, had played some of this music. Uh, so we basically wrote enough music to get us through uh you know, a 60, 75-minute show. And um, Aaron Parks and myself got together first and started coming up with some things. He brought some of his songs, and um, I collaborated with him on a piece he brought in called Bells, whereas I wrote the lyrics, and that was the first song that we really came up with. And Bells was inspired by um, the tragedy with Philando Castile and his girlfriend and her child uh, sitting in the back and watching it shot by a police officer. So that's what that lyric uh, was about. And it's coming from let's, let's play a little clip for them. Let's, okay. let's play a little clip for them, for the audience. Blue lives splatter red on canvases of brown skin as if black lives mattering is a game to them and not a basic right within all men are created equal. Say her name, hashtags, validate with shiny badges, boldly violate. Malcolm Jamal uh, Warner's voice is so like distinct. Like as soon as I heard, I was like, "That's Malcolm." <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that was a good yeah. choice. Um, and now he's also on um, a TV show, The Resident, um, playing a doctor. So uh, that was it. Was just interesting when I when I heard, I was like, "Oh, I know him." <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so you have a lot of synergy here, um, and you have lots of different music styles. You got mm. rock, you have the jazz, you have, you know, a little funk. Um, which one, do you have a favorite song on the album? Uh, oh, that's really difficult. Um, and, and speaking like stylistically, I hope that it comes across as, as one, you know, hybrid sound that represents all of us. And, you know, it sounds like a record that's cohesive um, because 
uh, I think, you know, we put those styles together, but hopefully in a way that works. Like the track, Bell, um, sorry, track in the American Dream is the first song on the record because I wanted um, something to give the listener an idea of what this project was about. So lyrically, of course, too, but also just sonically, you know, you, you have soloing, so you, you feel like that they're jazz musicians playing. And yes. at the end of it, you know, it's kind of more of a, a rock groove, but it's in 5-4. Uh, the whole piece actually is in um, 5. And, uh, you know, then you have kind of these motifs that, you know, you can maybe hear classical influence with Aaron Parks is composing in there. And I just felt like, and then, of course, Cox is rapping, which brings a hip-hop flavor. So I just wanted to kind of blend all these elements uh, and I really, you know, I really like that piece because it demonstrates that, but mm-hmm. it's difficult to pick a favorite, so to say. <laughs> now, you did do a cover, the cover Love, um, and so that's not something you guys wrote. Uh, what, how did you choose that? I mean, it, it brings a little softness to the whole thing because, you know, most of the songs are, you know, like I, I would say hard-hitting about different topics, you know. And then comes mm-hmm. the love song. But love is important, too, in battling these issues. Um, how did you choose the song? And, you know, what's your thoughts on love? <laughs> well, um, it's a Joni Mitchell song, and she's one of my favorite composers, uh, one of my favorite artists in general. And I've always loved that song. And um, though the, the lyric is, uh, inspired by Corinthians in the, in the Bible, uh, where it talks about love. Uh, I forget the exact numbers, the verse numbers, but um, I just felt like that song always, you know, spoke to me. Uh, and love is the uh, antidote, you know, or you know, it kind of is our cure all of all of these issues because I think you have to love your fellow human beings. Um, to try to, you know, get to the root of how we make our society and our communities better. And that was really the, the, as you said, it brings a softness. And that, the point of that was to, to do that. It's kind of offering a bit of an answer to all of the uh, heavy subjects. But I do also want to say that I hope that we delivered uh, the heavy material in a way that we weren't really beating you over the head, you know, with it. That was all. No, I think some of the songs were very, like, sexy, like, mellow, um, even the one with Malcolm Jamal Warner. Um, and I think, like you said, they're cohesive, they're, they're working together, even though you have the different styles, for me, personally, you know. Um, oh, good. Let, let's play a little bit of love for the audience here. So, yeah, that's 
a really nice softness, like I said. And um, the, the other CD, let's talk about the other CD that's just all instrumental. Um, mm-hmm. You have four four songs. The first one is about 17 minutes. Um, right. <laughs> well, actually, the whole thing was 42 minutes together, and it was done all at once. So it was one big improv that um, the label suggested putting it into four parts because obviously it's easier to ID it that way. Okay. <laughs> but it was one 42-minute improv that was done one time. Wow. What, not No second takes? No. No. <laughs> no. We just turned the know, lights was, out. And <laughs> what'd you say? We just turned the lights out and, and played, and I said that there would be no second takes when we did it. Okay. Well, I thought it was great. Like, um, some of it reminded me a little bit of some Pat Metheny tone, like tones in there mm-hmm. a little bit. And I was just thinking, like, um, imagining, like, struggling, but then, okay, I got over the hill. Like, all these things were coming through my head as I was listening, you know. And I'm sure everybody, when they listen, will have their own, like, imagery that comes to their head. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I think that's like when you look at a painting, and some people see the square, some people see the circle, some people see the man, some people see the woman. You know, I think think it'll touch so many people and – Breaking oh, it up was you. interesting. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Don't you? You're awesome. And the fact that you produced this whole thing—that's another skill that you have. You're not just a drummer, you know. Um, I think uh, people need to know that. Um, that took a lot of effort. You got all the people together, making sure they sound good. And you right. know what I mean? The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it took it took almost three years to make this project. And, wow. Um, yeah, and I think that um, it was a labor of love, and I, you know, didn't know what to expect. I didn't have, uh, I didn't do it with a label su- uh, supporting me. You know, like I just did it on my own because I wanted it to be, uh, you know, have the vision uh, that I had without, you know, input from other people other than our band, mm-hmm. uh, which is six people. The band is six people, but Aaron Parson, Matthew Stevens, and I were. You know, core members that started this, and we right. did most of the writing. Um, other than the, the rappers and spoken word artists, they brought you know their own material. But as far as any vocal lyrics, I wrote those. Other than uh, love, of course, Joni Mitchell wrote that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that you know collaboration was important on this project, and um, you know we just took our time. And did it, you know, it took about two and a half years. Now, do you think, like, what do you, what do you think will be solved first, <laughs> if anything? Do you think people accepting, you know, different sexualities will be solved? Do you think gender has a as a, has a, a head in the race? Uh, is race a head in the race? Um, I mean, oh, you see more black African Americans <laughs> on TV. Um, you know, we see more. Um, uh, gay uh, individuals on TV, and then now you know different, um, all different uh, areas of sexuality being uh, looked into from teen teen shows to adult shows. Mm-hmm. Um, prisoners now, even with this COVID thing, prisoners are being released. Um, so hopefully more will be, so they won't get you know sick. Um, that's mm-hmm. a big issue, bail, bail issue. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Like. People are in jail for more than a year just because of bail. Yeah, I mean, you know that's yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's everything boils down to economics. Uh, 
systematic uh, or systemic racism, um, basically uh, patriarchy, which, you know, in the end is, uh, you know, the, the, the root of that is white male patriarchy. So when you say, like, what issues are we going to get to the finish line with first? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not 100% sure we'll really ever get to the finish line because uh, we haven't done that so far with any issue. I mean, we've been fighting yeah. racism, you know, for 300 years, but we haven't, you know, gotten to the finish line uh, or 400 years. I, I'm not good with math at the moment, but funny, we've been fighting it a lot. The patriarchal thing is so funny because just recently, because of the CARES Act, we can now use um, our pre-tax health accounts to pay for sanitary supplies. I'm not sure if people know this, but this is actually a law that just got passed. And I just went to CVS yesterday, and I used my pre-tax card and paid for sanitary supplies. Wow. I know. Yeah, well. <laughs> but the thing is, my feeling is it should be free. Like, it should, our insurance should pay for it because it's something that happens to women that they have no control over, you know. Right. I don't know. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I actually never thought about that. Um but yeah, I, I mean that's a really good point, and um, all of these points. I mean, be, because we're dealing with archaic um, rules and uh, bills that have been uh, on our, you know, has the things that made our system what it is, and have not been updated. And you know, obviously, it was white men that made these rules, and they were thinking about themselves in a different time period. But, you know, society has changed, but it hasn't changed as much as we'd like in general, but especially with power structure. So you may have many more women as doctors, but you don't have as many that have, uh, you know, own their own practice, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's kind of, you know, when we say, well, well, look, this is better, but not really. People aren't making the same dollar. So it's not really better until... (laughs) Uh, you know, a black woman makes as uh, much, you know, as far as the e- equal dollar as, as white men. Yeah, and that's not happening. Um, talking about the struggle, uh, you, you have a song on there dealing with Native Americans. They were here before any of us. So let, let's mm-hmm. play Purple Mountain. We gave them different names. You gamble, you're in different ways. This ain't Casino Dog. You ain't De Niro, but without De Niro, all your tunes will change. Then all the rules will change. No longer held the same. Yet you nailed it, man. You nailed this to your crosses and your albatrosses. You mind us to the vein, cause you gold. And you said our gods are cold. And that we were savage. And your gods have changed. But yet you took our lives. Now for these wounded brains. My food is stronger. My food is stranger. Hanging from the branches in like different ways. So that was Purple Mountains um, on Waiting Game, Carrie Lynn Carrington's newest album. I'm saying album. That shows my age. <laughs> CD. No, it is an um, album. It is an album. Yeah. <laughs> That's the correct terminology. We don't say CD anymore because so much, you know, digital and then people are actually printing albums. So this project came out as as well as an album and a CD. Okay, good, so, good. I'm... And digitally, of course. <laughs> So that was um, Kokai, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Um, that was yeah, uh, Kokai. Kokai on that. 
Um, so they were here before any of us, and we just had uh, Joy Har- Harjo, I think it's Harjo. She was a, a poet laureate for the U.S., first Native American. And there are very few Native Americans in office um, yeah. making decisions for their nations. Um, that's yeah, another fight. Uh, it, it is. I mean, what, what happened, you know, them is just, you know, so so bad. And I mean, I'm happy that people are starting to talk about 1619 now. The New York Times did. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The New York Times did a, a, you know, spread on that, which was great. You know, having to reprint it, but um, that same attention, you know, has to go uh, to what happened with Native Americans. And, um, you know, I think, you know, Germany uh, has led a good example of educating people about the Holocaust uh, and, you know, trying to educate people in a way that that will never happen again. We have to, you know, do the same thing here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a fear. They're always like, oh, why do you have to bring up race? Why do you have to bring up race? Like, well, it's here. (laughs) It's not going anywhere. You know, uh, but Terry, thank you so much for coming on this evening. Um, I wish you so much success, um, and I'm so happy that you did create the um, Institute for um, Jazz and Gender Justice. It definitely is needed. Needed, and you guys out there who are playing music, mentor somebody, pass it along. Don't hoard the knowledge. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. All right. I will talk to you later. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show tonight. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, you can check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Everybody have a lovely evening. <laughs>